All right, let's get this party started, Luke. Welcome to Between Two Furnaces. I'm your host, Luke Wyden. I am here with my esteemed colleague, Matt Big Cat Barbosa. Ayo, Big Cat in the house. There How's he it is. going, Luke? That was a big roar today. It's going well. Um, <clears throat> doing well. Feeling good. Looking good. That's all that matters, right? For hey, some people. Hey, if you're feeling good, you're looking good, you you got a little pep in your step, you're more likely to make a sale today. Oh, yeah, dude. People... People find that energy. They feel it when you're when you're bringing it, when you're giving it off. Hey, you know what? Uh, one thing uh, I've always done is someone told me in a previous sales career, you know, you have a $100 bill in your pocket. You feel good, don't you, Big Ken? Dude, I need to start doing that again. Just stick a hondo in the pocket. You feel good when you got a little money in your pocket. And then when you do that, then you put five of them in your pocket. You know, and you just keep going. You just keep going, and then eventually your pocket's not going to be big enough. That's right. So what are we talking about today, Big Cat? You know what a lot of salespeople do? They get in there, and then they, they do what I call shit in the bed. Mm. You know, they just, the wheels fall off. So I'd like to talk about some steps that you can avoid to keep the wheels from falling off and to keep that train on the track, that uh, gravy train. You know, I've, I refer often to this as a sales traps. You know, you get these certain traps where the that leads to the wheels falling off, you know. Uh, or shit in the bed, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of them. They're, they're, we could talk about these for days, but um, let's, just, let's just kick off a few that, you know, we are um, prone to seeing. So I, I would let, let me start with the definition. I think the definition of a sales trap is anything you do without the customer present. Ooh. What do you think about that? That'd be you're measuring the house by yourself. You are... Um, preparing a proposal without the customer. You are, they're not in there. There's, there's, we get in situations where landlords aren't even there. I walk in, that's a whole trap. The whole call is a trap, right? You know, so um, that, that's really my definition of, of anything you're doing without the customer is, is, is first off a trap. But um, one that I think surprises a lot of people is my favorite one to talk about is seeing competitors' bids. So tell me why that's a sales trap. Well, here's the thing, Big Cat. Like most guys are like, oh, yeah, let me see those other quotes and I can match them. It's a trap because you're not selling on quality and value and the installation process. You're not appealing to the customer. You're just trying to match a number at that point. I like it. You know, it's kind of like... You're trying to change the past, kind of, if you're looking at a competitor's bid. Like, what difference does it make? Just focus on you and how you can help the customer, right? Yeah, exactly. So, listen, here's here's a scenario that I think often happens. You have a great conversation. You have a great sales call going on. You get down to the wire. You present a couple options to the customer. You're at the kitchen table, um, and the customer is engaged, enjoys the conversation, Get down to the price, and your first objection comes out and says, "Who, big cat? I got Joe Blows, heat him and cheat him over here. That gave me a quote, and they're three thousand dollars less. What do you do?" 
That's what most people do. The show stops and they're like, okay, well, uh, okie dokie. Right? Let me see that quote. Let me see that quote. Let me see what we can do here. Let me see what we can, what we can do for you, right? I, that's the biggest sales trap of them all, right? What would you do in that scenario, big cat? All right, let's role play that really quick. Do it. You uh, want to sell? You want to be the homeowner? I'll be the homeowner. All right. Big cat, I prepared a bunch of options for you here today based on our conversation. Um, I think this package here that we discussed uh, would, would fit your needs well. What do you th- how do you feel about it? Well, you know, I got this proposal here from um, XYZ Heating, and um, they say they can get this furnace installed for me for, you know, this price right here that I'm showing you. You know, and, and that's great, and they probably can, but uh, really the reality is that uh, we're all buying the same equipment or the same type of equipment, and there's only a few manufacturers out there that made the kit equipment. And earlier we said that, you know, um, the really the quality of the installation is what separates the different uh, installations. So uh, given that, now, now that you know that, there's only really two things they can do to get that price down. It's cutting quality and cutting corners and saving time on the job to get that price lower. So, you know, uh, fortunately enough, I, or fortunately, I, I don't really want to see that quote. Matt, because I, we're not here to match prices or be the lowest guy. We're providing a, a strong quality installation. That's why we've been around for 100 years, 50 years, whatever your years are, right? And that, you know, look, check out our reviews. And, not, you know, Matt recently had a situation where uh, Mrs. Jones, yeah, she was she was in the same same situation where she was uh, stressed over um, a quote that we were $2,000 higher, you know, and our prices are in line and, and they're not the highest, they're not the lowest, but this particular situation, she was $2,000 higher. And she made a judgment call at the end of the day and she went with us. And at the end of that, she told me she was, you know, she was happier than she would have, would have ever been. Um, and, and, you know, there's an X factor here, Matt, and you have to take my word for it that, you know, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We might not get it right all the time, but we'll get it right in the end. You know, so one thing you can be rest assured is that we are going to do this installation. It's going to be a quality standard installation, just based like we like we discussed earlier. Does that make sense? Hey, you know what? Yeah, I can appreciate that. Great. You know, I'm rambling a little bit because, um, and that was a little drawn out, but reality is you cannot go down that rabbit hole of, well, let's see what kind of equipment they got. Let's see, make sure we're comparing. Hey, Matt, let's make sure they're comparing apples to apples, right? So, you know, there may not be one best way to handle that situation, but just to kind of summarize what I feel like you did there is it's it's redirection, really. And you told a story, and you kind of defuse that kind of logical part of my brain where I'm, you know, as the homeowner, I'm, I'm just looking at things on a page. And I, I think telling a story, you know, you, you get them – there's emo- that emotional side of them involved, and you redirect them into your process. What's unique about your company, your install, et cetera? Exactly. You got to get that, you know, that uh, logical sense of numbers and figures out, and and speak to the emotion. You know, earlier, Matt, we discussed about this package helping with that noise level in your condo. You know, when you turn up that that for uh, the furnace turns on, you got to turn the TV up really loud. You know, this package is going to appeal to that. You know, I can't speak for the, the other company, but we're going to make sure it's right, that this is quiet. Or if it's not, we're going to get it right. Perfect. I think that's enough for um, looking at other, you know, companies' bids. Um, what else you think? What else is a sales trap, Big Cat? You know, right up there with looking at competitors' bids, 
to me, it's technical jargon, you know, um, Ooh, being fascinated. Doggy. On, oh, yeah. And you know what? A lot of people do this because it's like when you get nervous and like, you know, when you're young and you're, you're, you're kind of telling a little story to your your parents when you get caught doing something and you just you ramble on and on. And it's just so obvious that, yeah, you just need to take your medicine and move on. That's what I think technical jargon is for sales guys. Sometimes they're lost in the process. They, they don't know exactly what's going on. You know, newsflash for everybody listening out there. Homeowners could give two shits about your model numbers, your BTUs, your blah, 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 this, that, the other thing, right? It's, it's the whole, you don't buy a drill to buy a drill. You buy a drill to make a hole, you know, and you don't buy a furnace to get XYZ stats. You buy a furnace to solve problems, keep you comfortable, keep the noise down. Yeah, it's, it, I, I find it fascinating that salespeople in our industry continue to harp on model numbers and BTUs and blah, blah, whatever, you know, variable speed this or modulating that, you know. What? Who cares about? We're looking. For, they're looking for solutions, right? We're, give me some solutions. And I don't fault people for this too bad because I can see how it happens. You think you're doing service to the customer by providing all this information, but the reason why you get paid as a sales guy is it's to go in there and it's to solve problems. It's to be a trusted advisor. It's to you're shepherding and helping a customer navigate through this process. That's what you're getting paid to do, and it's newsflash. It's not giving them a, a, a list of numbers to choose from. Right, and you know what? The best sale is when you walk out that door, you feel 100% accomplished, you've taken care of the customer's needs, and you've never mentioned a model number once. <sighs> and we had a guy that just told a story about that this morning in our sales meeting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, the last four calls I've sold this month – he never once talked about a model number. I thought that was pretty impressive for a guy that's been doing it for fifty years, you know. So, well, yeah, th- yeah, that that is that's a big one. Technical jargon will kill you because you'll see the customer's eyes glaze over, and it's it's just it's it's not. I mean, you're not hiding anything. If if you come across a, a customer that's an engineer, he starts to ask, "Yeah, get into it. Do what you got to do." And and to be clear here. The customer knows what they get. They get a final invoice with the serial number, the product information, and all that stuff. So, I mean, this is all, we're still doing what we're supposed to do here. It's just, you understand, right? Yeah, yeah. So, some other sales traps, I think, are also um, not so much what you do, but what you say, right? Some words like price or payback period or, again, model numbers, Closed-end questions. What else? Yeah. Um, you know, all those things to me, they, again, they kind of stop the train. And they make you more of an order taker than a, a problem solver. I mean, I view my job as it's just it's just problem solving. Yeah. we're not, You know, we're problem solving. And guess what? We're not looking to be the cheap guy, right? We're not. If you do all these things we're talking about, it's it's a race to the bottom, right? Oh yeah. And a small percentage of the of the customers out there want that. That's fine. You got to identify that and you got to move on. If that's your company that does that, so be it. But I think the people listening here are not, right? Exactly. And you know what? That's fine if you're you're that guy or whatever. But um, 
I like to tell my customers too. It's like you can get a you can get a white dress shirt at Walmart at Kohl's. You can get one anywhere, or anywhere. you can or you can have someone custom make one for you. Which one are you gonna look the best in? Feel the most confident about? Get the best service. You know, you're gonna send it back to them if it's not perfect. Sometimes customers want a little a little extra. Have you ever seen a Lamborghini advertisement? Can't say I have. I don't, can't say I have either. That's because they got people coming to them. Want the damn cars because they know they're high value, high quality vehicles. Yeah, you and I can't afford one yet, big cat, but we will someday. There's a lot of people that can. But point is, the value is in the brand and in your installation and your in in you, right? right? Sell yourself, sell the company, not the box, right? Sell the solution. Amen. What are we missing? Preach, Luke. Preach. Damn it. Damn it, big cat! You're getting me fired up today. Look at our everyone just everyone's just real happy. They're applauding you. Thank right you. Now. Thank you. So, All right. uh, so one of the one of the sales traps that's kind of near and dear to my heart is close-ended questions. I brought that one up because yep. I feel let, let's say I'm I'm presenting options to a customer and I'm and I say, do you have any questions about this? Right? Let, no. Okay. Now, what if I would have said, what questions do you have about this? Hmm. Well, I like this, or I, I, I'm a little clarification on that. And the reason why close-ended questions are a sales trap is because you're just teeing up the possibility for your customer to say, "Well, this looks good, but I want to think about it, or I want to chat with so and so about it." That's why you don't ask close-ended questions. So, Matt, what do you what do you like about this option one here we provided today? Well, I like that you said it's going to be quieter and, um, you know, it's got that Wi-Fi thermostat and the 10-year, the you know, no out-of-pocket expense warranty. I, I think that's all really great. Great. Tell me a little bit more. I, you know, I think I'm, I probably want to move forward with this, but, um, you know, I might want to see another option here. Okay. You want to leave this option on the table or you want to scratch it off and move on or you want to compare the two? Let's leave it on the table okay, for now. Great. Yeah. Great. I just I mean, want to have something to compare it to. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, setting up open-ended questions just allows the customer to open up, right? It's, you're uncovering information, and this isn't like some, like, oh, well, I'm sneaky, I'm finding the secret weapon. It's, you're solving their problems. They're giving you the information that you truly need to know to help them. Sometimes they don't know what to say. It's, it's like being a good detective. Yes, the right questions, you, you solve the case. Exactly. So what else are we missing up here on, on sales traps? Um, I think we, I, I, like I said, there, there's a lot of them out there. We're just, we're just scratching the surface here. So this is a good overview of how you can identify them and why you should avoid them. And um, I, I think this is a pretty good start to the uh, sales traps. Yeah, let's wrap it up with that. Uh, happy selling out there. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at betweentwofurnaces at gmail.com. And check us out at Insta on Instagram. We got an Instagram page. We're looking for followers. Come on, we're putting some content out there that you guys are going to love and enjoy. Hit us up. See you next time at Between Two Furnaces. Happy selling.